about allowing anyone who has an internet connection to actually look through scientific data. So it's really to help scientists. It started because scientists are getting just too much data nowadays. Just so many, uh, so many pieces of data, so many images from telescopes. It started with a thing called Galaxy Zoo, which was a million pictures of galaxies. And uh, an astronomer needed to know whether they were spiral galaxies or elliptical galaxies, so whether they were just circles or spirals. And uh, he tried to look through them himself. He had a million pictures to look through. In a week, he got through 50,000. And after getting through 50,000, he went and had a word with his supervisor and said, listen, I can't do this. This is too many. I've spent all week. I've hardly slept, and I've only done 50,000 out of a million. Uh, there must be a better way. So they got together and they made a website where anyone can go on and uh, look through the data themselves. And all you need to be able to do is look at the difference between a circle and a spiral and click a button to see what type of galaxy that you're looking at. So you don't need to be a professional astronomer to do this. But this work helps professional astronomers. So um, that was Galaxy Zoo. This is the homepage for it here, as you can see. Um, and this idea has been expanded into loads of different fields of science. And here on our homepage, you'll see the 20 projects we have running at the moment. So the top eight, they're all space projects. Uh, you've got one, the Galaxy Zoo that started it. There's one for mapping the surface of the moon. Uh, we've got one for looking at explosions coming out of the sun that create aurora. I don't know if any of you watched Stargazing Live during the week. Did anyone did see the aurora in that? That's fantastic. Uh, we've got one for finding planets, planethunters.org, which is really cool. You can look through scientific data and you can actually be responsible for the discovery of a new planet out there in our galaxy. And even further down, we've got non-astronomy stuff. So it's something that can apply to all kind of fields of science. But there's one I'd like to talk about specifically because of Stargazing Live. Um, did, did, put your hand up if you watched Stargazing Live this year on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Fantastic. That's great. Well, our boss was on it, Chris Linto. He also hosts the Sky at Night. And he was presenting one of our projects called Space Warps. And in Space Warps, um, we're looking for galaxies that are extremely far away. And they're right behind other galaxies. And the galaxies in the front of them actually bend the light of the distant galaxy around them and make them out into a circle uh, or an arc. And they also magnify them. So we can see very far back in our universe, much further back than, uh, than we can normally see and spot these galaxies. And this object here, if you were watching the show, you might have seen this picture before. A bunch of citizen scientists, just people like yourselves, sitting at home, on, online, looking through the data, discovered this object here. And you can see, it's kind of hard to make out on the screen there, but there's a, there's a galaxy in the middle, this little white dot. And around it is a red arc, a red ring. And that's a very distant red galaxy, 11 billion light years away from Earth, that's getting bent around this foreground galaxy, the gla galaxy that's closer to it. And this is called a gravitational lens event. So um, this was on BBC Stargazing, and over the three nights, we had 50,000 people from around the world, mostly in the UK, come online and look through data. And they looked through 8 million pictures. And they discovered these objects here, these new objects that no one had ever seen before. And this wasn't astronomers and scientists that were doing this. This was people, members of the public, anyone with an internet connection. And that's what this universe is all about. So I'm going to let Becky give you a little tutorial 
on um, the one that started it all, the Galaxy Zoo, which is one of our most popular projects. Because, like Grant said, we, take, we have so much data, it's because we take such small pictures on the sky to try and see all these galaxies, and we end up with millions of them. And so what Galaxy Zoo does is it shows you a picture of one of these galaxies that we've taken and asks you to tell us what shape it is. So as you can see there, this is what Galaxy Zoo looks like. It's very simple. Anyone from the age of you know, 4 to 94, even greater than that, can do this. So it shows you the image and asks you basically to say, what shape is it, first of all? Is it really smooth? Is it the same sort of brightness all the way across? Or does the brightness change? Does it have shape in there that you can see? Or is it actually just a star that we've caught by accident? So as you can see with this one, what I'd say is I think that looks the same brightness all the way across it. It's quite smooth. It doesn't have like a spiral arm or anything like that in it. So we just click on the smooth button, and then it gives us another question to answer. So it says, but how smooth is it? Is it round or is it oval-shaped? Or is it like a big, <coughs> elongated cigar? And we'd say, okay, I think that's probably in the middle. Who's in agreement with that? Who'd say it's completely round? No one? Who'd say it's in the middle? Everyone says it's in the middle, which is good. But maybe some people would have said it looked a bit more cigar-shaped. And that's where we get like statistics and we can look at who, how many people said what and how many people said the other. So, sorry, just to interrupt you. Yeah, Something sure. really cool just happened there when you guys put your hand up and then Becky clicked that button. You might not realise it, but you've all just classified an object in our universe. And this isn't just a game. This isn't something that we make for outreach. That click is now registered. It's gone through. And that is you have just analysed a piece of um, galactic data, extragalactic data. So you're now all kind of amateur extragalactic astronomers just by putting your hand up there, you've made the decision. And that's what we'd like to get across with this universe. It is real science. You can go online and that can get quite scary. You know, you're, you're actually contributing to the analysis of the science. This isn't just for fun. That, that has been registered and, and now it's, it, that's gone through and we've decided that that is what that galaxy looks like. But don't get too worried because each of these images is seen by a few different people. So we build up a, a general consensus like we did there with the audience, everyone puts a hand up and we choose the one that most people think it is. Yeah. So there's no wrong or right. Most people say to me, but what if I get it wrong? There is no wrong because everyone looks at it. So it's just what your opinion is when you see that image. And that's what we like because we can't get computers to do it because computers don't have an opinion. Do you see what I mean? So the last question we just have is, is there anything odd? So if you click on yes, we can see the, the options we get given. Is it merging with another galaxy? You know, is it colliding? Does it have like a ring around it, as some galaxies often do? Or does it have like a lens or an arc, like what you were looking for on spacewalks? And we can see with that one, you know, it's quite a boring galaxy. There's nothing really that exciting about it. So we'll just say, no, there's nothing odd. Finally, we just ask if anyone would like to talk about it. If you discover something that's so incredibly amazing that you just have to tell everyone, then you'd click yes on that button. <coughs> and you'd say, yeah, I want to talk about this because it's really cool. And I don't think anyone's seen this before. But this one, it's just a blue blob, really. So we'll not, we'll not want to tell anyone about that. And then we get a new image, and we're asked to classify that one again. And it's very addictive, I have to tell you. You can say, I'm just going to do five minutes, and half an hour later, you're still there classifying. But every single classification is so helpful to scientific research. I could not do my research if it wasn't for this website. I wouldn't be able to go away and say, I want to look at this type of galaxy, until you've told me which ones those are. And there's really cool things that have happened um, that we didn't expect. So when Galaxy Zoo launch, was launched in 2007, quite a while ago now, seven years, um, we just wanted people to look at this galaxy here. Just have a look at the galaxy in the middle and tell us what shape it is. That's all we wanted. We, got, we knew we had a, bunch, a million pictures of galaxies in the middle, and that was it. But then every so often people would start to flag up stuff and say, 
what's this? Not in the middle, there's something off to the edge, it's a bit weird, it's strange. And a lot of the times it would just be a star or something we already knew about. But what, at one point, a Dutch school teacher called Hanny van Arkel actually flagged something up and she said, this is a really strange green blob I'm seeing here next to the galaxy. I've, I've never seen anything like this and I've looked through quite a lot of your images. What is it? And we said, don't worry, Hanny. Please just classify the galaxies in the middle. Don't worry about it. It'll be something we know. And then she said, no, started talking to people and said, really, this is something really weird. I'd, I'd like to know what it is. And it slowly caught our attention. We said, yeah, that's a bit weird. We'll, we'll have a look for it. And it turned out to be something that no one in the history of humanity had ever witnessed before. A type of object in space that we didn't even know about. And it was found by a Dutch school teacher at home doing uh, the science line. And that's it there. That's what she saw. There's Hanny down there at her computer, actually. <laughs> and now, this object is known as Hanny's Vuurwerk. If any of you speak Dutch, um, Vuurwerk just means thing. So astronomers aren't the best at naming stuff. So uh, this is Hanny's thing. <laughs> Uh, and we've gone on to find quite a few examples of this. And there was some other examples in galaxies of people finding types of galaxies that have never been witnessed before. So, so much interest in science has actually come out of this, and it's been discovered by the public, not by the actual scientists behind mm. the project. This was literally something that had never been observed before. So we'd observed things that looked like it, but it was because it was a constant stream from the galaxy. Can you see how it's completely disconnected from the galaxy? So first of all, we didn't know, okay, is it related to the galaxy? Did it come from it? Or is it a completely different object that just happened to get in the way of our picture? So that was the first thing we had to find out. So what we had to do was basically observe it lots and lots of times with different wavelengths of telescopes and all the different telescopes we could get our hands on. The first thing we found out was, yes, it is part of the galaxy. It's at the same distance away from us. So it did, must have come from there. Okay, but what is it? And it turned out, after all these observations, we figured out that it was actually from a black hole that used to live in the centre of there and was very, very active. That black hole kind of, well, it got tired and it switched off. And that was the remnant that was left behind that was just sort of slowly moving away from the galaxy. And that's the first time we've ever actually observed something like that happening. And actually a black hole saying, that's enough, and switching off, which is an amazing event. We didn't think that would... We theorised it could be possible, and it was people like you guys that actually found out that it is possible. So, so you with, never know what you're going to find. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, about finding something really cool no one's ever seen before, we're going to show you another project now. Mm. Uh, this is one that's close to my heart. So Becky works on uh, Galaxy Zoo, and I used to work on a uh, very similar project to the one we're going to show you here. And I did my PhD in astrophysics on what we're about to show you. And now you guys can go and do this. Uh, no matter what age you are, uh, no matter what your job is, you can come and do what I used to do um, semi-professionally. Professionally? Well, Professionally. they paid me a little bit of money for it. <laughs> uh, so it's hunting for planets around other stars. Now, this is the most boring screen I've ever seen in my life. It's terrifyingly boring. Okay, it's just lots and lots of dots. Nothing that exciting is happening. But in amongst those dots, let me try and convince you there's something extremely exciting taking place. Because these dots represent the brightness of a star over time. So this is in the past. And it's getting further into time over here, so time's going backwards that way. And this is the brightness of a star, just measured from lots of different photographs of a star. One single star. One single star, just that's its brightness going along. And every so often, when you're looking at a star, something will pass in front of it, and it'll take the brightness away, just like if you put your hand up over a light. It'll block out the light. And what that can be is a planet. So... As you're measuring the brightness of your star here, you'll see dips in light, perhaps like this here. 
or like that dip there, or a point where the light gets much lower than it normally is. And this is the telltale sign that there's a planet around that star passing in front of it. Um, and on Planet Hunters, you can look for these dips in the light from stars and mark out planets. And you can actually discover planets yourself. Now, does anyone know how many planets, any of the young kids, how many planets are there in our solar system? Anyone? Nine. 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 I'll take, I'll take nine, because it was nine when I was your age. So <laughs> one, of them's, one of them's been relegated out of the league, uh, Pluto. So there's, there's, there's eight major planets, and then there's some smaller things like Pluto. Um, does anyone know how many planets have been discovered around other stars that aren't our sun? Any guesses for that? Several thousand. We're actually, we're over a thousand now. We're into the thousands of planets around other stars. This is something that's happening. It's not, this isn't future science. Uh, people are discovering planets every single day now. And you guys could too. If you go into planethunters.org, you can go on there and look through these really boring light curves for something really, really exciting, uh, which is a planet around another star. And I think that's really cool because then when you find one, you can be the person who walks into a party or, or goes up to your friend and says, Guess what I did yesterday? I discovered a planet that no one's ever seen before, no one ever knew about. And this actually happened to a gentleman in Britain. He was a retired guy living in the northeast, and he discovered a planet. And the media descended on his house and said, oh, you must be thrilled. You know, why did you take part in this project? You know, was it your love of science? Was it that he said, well, there's just not anything on TV these days, and there's only so much gardening you can do, which is why he got involved. And they said to him afterwards, you know, are you going to do it again? Are you going to find another planet? And he said, no, I've done it now. I don't want to do it anymore. So this actually can happen. You know, I mean, as if you saw on Stargazing Live, there was one guy that they interviewed on Back to Earth as well, where they said to him, you know, you actually saw this gravitational lens that we've been looking for on spacewalks. You know, people, do, and Hanny as well from, from the Netherlands, this actually happens. Holland, Netherlands? Yeah, Netherlands. Yeah, the same thing. Um, so, you know, this thing actually kind of happens. So you could be one of these people who finds something cool on the surface of the moon or finds something cool about black holes with radio galaxies do. So. You can also look on the surface of Mars and classify mm -hmm. areas in the southern pole of Mars where there's massive geysers. Uh, spewing out um, some form of liquid. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what else have we got? There's lots of space projects on there. There's the Milky Way project where we're mapping our very own galaxy, all the dust clouds and the star clusters in our own galaxy. Um, you've shown a demonstration. Yeah, of I was just going to show all we want you to yeah, do this for this is basically draw a box around where the light dips, and that's all you have to do. So some people might be put off by the fact that, oh, I have to look for these things that dip. But you could just label the possible dips and then say, yeah, that's where I think they are. And then an astronomer might look at them again and say, oh, maybe that's not a dip, that's fine. You know, I can see why they thought it would be. So it's very, very simple, just like the Galaxy Zoo clicks. And you say, yep, you spotted the locations, well done. So it's very simple. Basically narrows down the number of stars that you can then actually... Exactly, yeah. Almost one of the very useful things is basically when you say there are no transits in this thing, and then we'll just disregard that one. We don't have to look at it again. Where did the homepage go? Here? Yeah. So, as I said, at the moment we're running um, eight space projects, and you're all here for astronomy, but we do actually have other projects, we'll just finish with that as well, in other sciences and other fields. So you can see here we've got climatology stuff, looking at the Earth's climate over history. Uh, we've got, uh, this one, one of my personal favourites, is the plankton portal, where you can look at deep sea images of plankton, you can class classify little creatures like jellyfish and, and, and kind of squid looking guys like this. 
and worms, little, little tiny sea worms. Um, we've got Whale FM where you can listen to the whales speak to each other and classify their language. Uh, but the one that you guys will probably enjoy the most is this one here, Snapshot Serengeti. Now, for this project, in the Serengeti National Park in Tanzania, we have 225 cameras. And they're just sitting out in a grid for miles around in the Serengeti National Park. And they're unmanned. And what happens is every time something passes in front of the camera, it automatically takes a picture because it can sense that. Um, and it takes, takes three pictures. And then we need to know what these pictures are of because computers can't actually tell very well the difference between a zebra and a lion. I'm sure most of the young kids in here can tell the difference between a zebra and a lion and a giraffe and a rhino and an elephant. It's very easy, but computers aren't as good at you, as you at doing that. Uh, so that's why we need you to do this, because we've got these millions of pictures of animals. And some of them can be quite funny, because the animals tend to come up and look in the cameras and stick their tongues out and such things. So can any of the kids tell me what kind of animal this is? What do you think? Yeah. It's a zebra, it's a isn't zebra, it? Yeah. So, we, straight. so that's easy. We find zebra in the list and say, yeah, that's a zebra. And then it shows the picture, just in case we want to cross-check that it was a zebra. And then it asks us, how many are there? So again, kids, shout out, how many zebras are there in that picture? One. One, yeah. And what do you think it's doing? Is it standing or eating or moving? It's eating. Yeah, I think it's eating too. And then we say, yeah, we've definitely put that there. <coughs> Finish that one. And it gives us a new picture. Ooh. Oh, wow. No, I don't, I've never seen one of those before. Have you seen one of those? <laughs> that was a real wow moment. It's <laughs> the first time I've seen one. So then what you can do is, if you're not sure what it is, there might, people might be going, well, is it a leopard or a cheetah or something? What you can do is you can say, okay, so it's spotty in pattern and its colour is sort of tan in colour and then it narrows your choices down and makes it easier for you to pick out what animal it is. Okay, so actually I think that might be... I think it's a yeah. giraffe. You think it's a giraffe? Anyone think it's a giraffe? <laughs> no, that's good. And if I was to come on and say this is a giraffe, it'd be all right, because lots of other people who are much smarter than me would come on and say, no, that's a... I think I it's think a circle because of its ears. I'm thinking terrible. Can everyone see that, how big its ears Look are? Look at that. I've never seen Neither a circle before. <laughs> that's amazing. That's there you go, that really is Zooniverse Live. That's the, world, <laughs> that's the world of live demonstrations there, an animal that none of us have ever actually seen before on this project. Yeah. Fantastic. And again,